This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 217. Today's episode is all about heaven and spiritual evolution. There are many places on the other side. They are actual places, but they're also levels of consciousness. So for example, right now, you and I sitting here talking, each of us are vibrating to a spiritual dimension that corresponds to an actual dimension on the other side. So if I were to die today, I would take the power and the light I have now, not what I had yesterday, not what I might have tomorrow. And that would correlate me to somewhere on the other side. It's not punishment or reward, it's like attracting like. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that cute little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are really a great way to give back if you find this show helpful. They help the show climb the charts, which helps me get even more amazing guests for you. Today, I would like to share a review from Whitney DDS, who says, I've been listening to Mind Love for over a year now. It's been life-changing. Each episode brings a new eye-opening perspective on life. I look forward to my morning and afternoon commutes, knowing I'm growing and becoming my real self in the process. Thank you, Melissa. I am so grateful for your podcast. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. You know how you don't really realize you need to hear something until you hear it? This was one of those moments, so thank you for taking the time. And now on to the show. Do you believe that heaven exists? If so, what are your ideas about it? Is it a place in the sky? Is it a state of mind? Do we experience it after we die or is it accessible now? My ideas on heaven have evolved as I have evolved. And I can't say, even now, that I'm 100% sure on my beliefs about it. But truthfully, I can't say I'm 100% sure about absolutely any of my beliefs. That quote that wisdom is knowing you know nothing, that becomes more true for me every single day. I grew up believing that heaven was a physical place or a spiritual place. Is it still physical if your body doesn't actually physically go? I don't know. I grew up thinking it was a place. I pictured like some giant white godlike figure sitting on a throne of judgment, letting people pass like some egotistical doorman of an overrated club or opening some trap door to throw them into the fiery gates of hell. That is some top-notch traumatic imagery for a first grader. Well, as I got older and began to think for myself rather than what I was told, that idea just didn't sit right with me. If heaven is a place with no sorrows, How is everyone just sitting up there knowing that their loved ones were cursed with everlasting fire by their supposedly all-loving leader? Really, though, if I believed my sweet Grandma Fulton was being tormented by her greatest fears and pitchforked by demons, I'm really not sure I could just happily float on that cloud regardless of how many harps were harping. (sighs) 
Also, how is everyone on earth expected to choose the exact same spiritual paths despite wildly different life experiences and history of beliefs? But this episode is not about what I was taught about heaven because clearly I have a lot of thoughts about that. This episode is about expanding our minds to understand the truth about heaven. When I started to study spirituality rather than religion, I remember thinking, wow, this is what alignment to information feels like or to energy. This is what it means to feel the spirit in my body. This is what it means to feel guided, to feel motivated by truth rather than fear. I started to understand heaven more as a state of energy. I could look around and see who was experiencing heaven right now and who was already in their own personal hell. I knew what that hell felt like myself, and I was starting to get glimpses of my heaven. As I get closer to aligning my life to my version of heaven, my ideas of it are changing yet again, and I welcome that. I love when my ideas about things change. It shows me that I'm evolving rather than stuck in old belief patterns. Well, the last year or so, new ideas of heaven just keep presenting themselves to me. And usually when that happens, I know that I'm being guided toward another truth. So today I'm bringing you with me. Our guest is Dimitri Moretis. He's the co-founder and co-spiritual director of the Spiritual Arts Institute in Encinitas. He's a metaphysical teacher, healer, and co-author of multiple books. So three key things we will learn today are how to experience the other side now, how to receive help and guidance from heaven, and meditative exercises to better align with your spiritual growth and the divine plan you are a part of. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Dimitri Moretis to the show. Oh, hi. How are you? Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I am great. I'm curious, what inspired you to write a book on heaven and what makes you so certain on what you believe? Well, let's back up a moment. This is a series of books that we write. Of course, I co-wrote this with Barbara and Barbara is one of the world foremost clairvoyants. So from the time she was a little girl, she was seeing things like auras and angels and having experiences in the inner worlds. So this is not like, oh, I had this out-of-body experience and I saw the other side. This is over the course of a lifetime. So it's a wealth of information. The book has many of her experiences in there. And it's part of a teaching. The goal of writing the book is to teach you not only that there is another side, there is a greater life, but the greater life is connected to your life right now. 
It's, it's not, you know, we can tend to think of heaven as when we die, um, but heaven's part of your life this very moment. And the inspiration guidance you're receiving in your life is coming from those worlds. So the more you connect with them now, the more inspired you will be living. Um, and there's a whole training. Uh, this particular study is part of the study of metaphysics. And metaphysics means studying that which comes after the physical. So it's, it's, it, it teaches the idea that everything we see in physical life was born of the spiritual life. And that the more we connect with our spiritual life, the better our, our, our life will be. And that this connection isn't just to help us get through day-by-day stuff as much as it does do that. It actually helps us in our growth. There's a, there, we grow physically, you know, from a child to an adult, but we are actually also growing spiritually. The soul, the immortal part of us, is here on this earthly schoolhouse to gather up the experiences of life and to spiritually mature. And so that's, um, you know, the first book we wrote, The Change Your Aura, Change Your Life, tells the world what we do. We meditate. That's with divine light. That's our, that's our, all our classes and workshops are based on that. And this book, um, which is the fifth one that we've wrote, written now, really tells the world who we are. We are a spiritual growth organization. We're helping you to unfold your spiritual potential. And this is a time-tested tradition. It's many centuries old. And again, it's based on lifetimes of, of clairvoyant study and experience. So this is so intriguing to me because I grew up uh, with a traditional religious mindset and I fell away from that when I became an adult. And I just went to the side of, there's no God, there's nothing. And then the next decade was really me finding my own spiritual path beyond that. But what most people do believe as heaven is this is within a religious container that you have to accept God in a certain way, or all religions kind of have their own process for this. Does somebody have to be religious to connect to heaven? We do have to be careful not to try to contain God in a human understanding, right? So there is the religious experience, which really is apart from any formalized church. The experience is to draw closer to the divine source. People that have had a genuine even religious experience, thats it's not because they're necessarily following a particular religion. It's because this is an awakening within themselves. And sometimes they're called to the religious path. We're very strong on this. Religion and metaphysics are part of the same process. Humanity has tended to divide them, but that's not the truth. And, you know, as the mystic Helena Blavatsky taught, there's no religion higher than truth. So the various religions of the world are essentially looking at the same thing, but through different lenses, through different aspects. So it's like there's this beautiful diamond. Okay, one tradition follows this facet, another follows this facet, but that's part of this overall picture. And you're exactly right, no matter how you were brought up, uh, you have to find the divine for yourself. Otherwise, you're just following a cultural upbringing. You're not really finding what's in your heart. There's a great story that Barbara tells, because, you know, she was born here into a Greek Orthodox family, and her father was a Greek Orthodox priest, and he used to build churches. So that was a very religious upbringing. And here was this little child having all these metaphysical experiences, which the family did not quite understand, right? Um, But one time she said she was sitting in church and her father was preaching, and she saw this woman in very devout prayer, 
and she said it really wasn't even that she was in the church or in listening to his, you know, her father's priest. It was her own devout energy that was drawing her there. And she said, I saw this angelic being coming very close to her. She didn't see it, but she felt the energy of it. And there was this almost ecstatic exchange between the two. So I like to call that the religious experience, you know, the, the spirit that drives you to something. And that's the same with metaphysics. When I had my metaphysical, I was not brought, I mean, I was Greek Orthodox born, but I was not brought up religiously. And I was brought very, I had a very creative bent. But then when I had my spiritual awakening, people thought, oh, you, you've, you've had a religious awakening. So I don't know if that's, it doesn't feel like that. And then when I learned there was metaphysics, because I didn't even know what it meant back then, they said, that's what I had, uh, that I've had this. So it's a definite calling. We tell people in the classes, look, if you love the religion, you've been brought up and practice it. It doesn't conflict with metaphysics, but also, you know, follow metaphysical. Others, you know, do not feel the religious as much anymore or don't and follow just their own their own path or more there. Now, the other thing I want to bring up, though, is heaven is certainly not confined to a religion. You don't have to be, quote unquote, religious in a formal sense to be connected to heaven because heaven is for all of us. Now we hear so much about it in the religious context is because the religions talk about heaven. So it's natural to assume, and there's a traditional belief, I live a good life, you know, I die, I go to heaven, I be with God, and that's that's the, that's the sequence of things. We all wanna live a good life, we all should be living a, a good life, um, but metaphysics would take it even a step further. Don't wait till you get to the other side to have the divine experience you're meant to build that experience here in physical life. You're meant to bring out that divinity here. You know, heaven is not only a place, it's a state of consciousness. And what we say is you don't go to heaven because you've been a good boy or girl. You grow to heaven and heaven is an evolutionary problem. It's like grades in school. I could have had the best first grade marks ever but that doesn't mean I'm gonna go to college. It means I'm gonna do terrific in second grade. And that's the way heaven works. So we have to embody the heavenly principles here in our physical life. And that is what evolves our soul so that we earn the ranks of those heavenly realms and take it from there. So it's a very good point you bring because many who think of heaven think of it only in the religious sense. And that's that's not, it's, it's as real as the stars and the planets and everything else. Heaven's part of the cosmological order of the universe. So it's as scientific as anything else is. It's just science operating on non-physical dimensions. Right. I have evolved my ideas of what heaven looks like over the years. And what I've come to understand is I've had that same conversation where I'm like, I'm pretty sure that heaven and hell is your perception of how you're living your life here. Like there's a lot of people caught in hell in this lifetime, caught in an endless loop, caught in their addictions. I mean, I've been there. And then I've interviewed a lot of people who discuss different things such as reincarnation. And, and I've come to theorize that we're working through our karma life after life until we, like you kind of said, evolve up to maybe not having to go through the life again to clear your karma is, am I on the right track at all? Well, I'm glad you brought up reincarnation because that's another massive subject. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. 
Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. Well, I'm glad you brought up reincarnation because that's another massive subject. So if we want to think of lifetimes as like grades in school, okay? So you, yes, we go to school, we incarnate to work out karma, but we also come to earth to live, to learn. So there's so many lessons of life. No matter how good a life you live, you cannot learn it all in a life. If you look at your karma chart, you will realize you've been male, you've been female, you've been rich, you've been poor, you've been successful, you've been a failure, you've been talented, not talented, you lived in different parts of the world, been different races of the world. You've lived it all. You need to live a rich life. And that takes many lifetimes to do that. I, I liken this to like a very good actor, actor, maybe like start in the arts and things and and acting, you know, if you play the same role all the time, you're very what they call one dimensional. You may be good at that role, but you can't do anything else. The good actors know that the more variety of roles you play, the richer you become as a performer. And that's life. The richer your life experiences, the more you understand what life is all about and the more mature you do become. Now, yes, heaven and hell are technically states of consciousness, but they are actual places. Now, heaven is an actual place you can visit. Now, hell is an interesting concept because some the traditional idea is, if I've been bad, I'm going to hell forever. You know, I'm down forever. What metaphysics says is something slightly different. First of all, they say there is no sin past redemption. There's no such thing as an eternal hell. There are hellish places on the other side. If I have lived the worst conceivable life imaginable, I've lost a lot of power. It's not really punishment. Remember, we're earning life. The other thing we have to understand is we all have these auras and the energy of the aura is fueling our spiritual evolution. So the more power we earn, the more good things we're doing, we're building up that spiritual power. But I've been squandering it lying, cheating, murdering, killing. If I'm doing these things, I may be, quote unquote, thinking I'm smart and getting away with it, um, but I'm losing so much power spiritually through those acts. I may find myself in one of those lower regions when I cross over, but it's not forever. The divine tries to bring us up out of that because God loves all of us, regardless of what we do in our life. And we're always given that second chance to get back on the path. So, yes, we obviously wanted to avoid those things. And, if, and you know, if we have, look, 
what's that old expression? There was never a saint without a past or a sinner without a future, right? We've all done things that maybe we're not the proudest of. But the point is we don't want to identify ourselves as that person and we don't want to condemn ourselves and say, I'm this person and I'm gonna be like this for the rest of my life. That is not true. That is something that we may have done, something we may have gone through, but that's not who we are. We are this immortal spark of life and that life is precious and eternal. And that's what compassion is all about. The more we understand that divine spark that's within us, regardless of our actions, the more we will embody it and bring it out. You know, Mother Teresa, as we know, helped some of those in the most desperate situations imaginable. And she said, you know, I see the face of the divine in every person I help. And she meant it. And some of the doctors were saying, you know, you're not doing enough for some of these people medically. And she knew many of them were not going to make it. We're not going to live. But she said, I'm here to bring them their dignity, to know that their life has value, even if they were going to end up crossing over to the other side. So we need to recognize that the path of ascension is in love. We've got to develop our love flow in ways we never imagined. What did the, the Bible say? If you can't love each other whom you see, how can you begin to love God whom you do not see? So we've got to start realizing the things in our life are part of our spiritual journey, the opportunities, the challenges, all of it. And when we confront our challenges, when we pursue our opportunities, that's helping us in our life, but it's also helping our soul to, to grow because we're learning through the experiences of that. Lately, I've been having these realizations where I'm realizing that for a good portion of my life, I I had this subconscious belief that I was possibly not a very good person. And this was during a time that I was going through a lot of addictions. And, you know, I would steal little things like I would steal lip glosses at Walmart when I was like 20 years old. And I would lie if it improved my situation. And most of the things I was lying about was to protect the people's perception of me because I knew I had a lot of addictions at this time. I was dealing with an eating disorder, all sorts of stuff. Well, it's interesting because over the last decade, I've made a lot of changes. I've kind of dedicated my life to helping other people. But lately, uh, it might be tied with me quitting drinking in the last few months. It was just the last kind of lingering bad habit. I wasn't drinking a ton, but I, I was drinking fairly often. And suddenly I'm, I'm getting this clarity and I'm, I'm feeling more guided than I've ever have been. For example, I'll have a conversation with my husband and then I'll be in an interview and the person will say almost the exact words that I was just bringing up or just asking for guidance for. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had thought of myself as bad in a way until just now. It's like, it's like I'm ready to approach this or I'm ready to confront this last or this new level. And I'm like, why, why have I held on to that for so long when my behaviors have been completely different than my behaviors 16 years ago? So I'm curious, when we do have those self-beliefs that we're not good or that we don't deserve this, how does that hold us back on our spiritual path? Well, it holds us back for sure. But remember, you were, give you appreciate being honest about your own experience. There's an expression, recognition is half the battle. So what happens is as we start to see shortcomings in ourself, initially there can be, oh, no, no, I'm going to shove this under the rug or I'm going to do this or whatever. But if we realize it, there was a journey to get to that point. And that's actually an opportunity to realize, for example, you didn't just say, I thought I was a bad person. You realize that was not a good thought to have. 
So yes, realizing a problem is literally halfway to solution. But we have to realize sometimes these life lessons take a while. My my father was this really good psychiatrist and he told me once, uh, one of the mistakes I made early in my career is sometimes I would see a problem with somebody that's asking for help and I would just say what it was. And then instead of being grateful, they would get mad at me. They would get mad because of course they hadn't seen it for themselves. And he said sometimes it would take years for them to get to that realization, but the change didn't happen until they had the realization for themselves. This is why us telling other people, hey, you know, your problem is this, that that has no meaning until we see it for ourselves. But guess what? It was years well spent. So if it takes us sometimes when I'm trying, it takes a little while for the soul and the consciousness to figure it out because we go through things in our life. And, you know, there's a, it's not one thing. We have multiple things going on. And, and sometimes we have to do things just to keep going in career or life or whatever. And then later, these personal things start popping up. And once we have the realization, now the beauty is with the realization, you're empowered to do something. Now, in our work, we meditate a lot. We work with, with spiritual energy. So let's say if I realize I have a, a thought of self-criticism, uh, I can bring in a purifying energy to start cutting loose that thought because that's hold, only holding you back. And it's not, re- it's not true. Sometimes change takes time. We want it to happen in an instant, but sometimes, especially character changes, they can take a time and you've got to be persistent. You can't get discouraged if it doesn't turn right away, uh, it change right away. So, but these are the life lessons. So as let's say we're learning, okay, I, did something not so great years ago. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not behaving like that. I forgive myself for whatever happened back then. I forgive anyone else. And then that builds the bridge to to keep building and doing new things because we all have things we need to accomplish in this life. We all have a spiritual potential. We all have activities we need to do. And we need to get our mindset on that. There's an expression, you know, once you put your hands to the plow, don't look back. So, uh, yes, if things come up, I got to deal with, I will deal with them that were either issues from the past, but I need to keep my sights set on where I'm going. And then these things that happen, happen, and then you become a guide. Maybe you're being one that help others that were caught in some of those things. And they're going to listen to you more because you've been through it yourself. And then they realize, wow, if, if they did it, I can get over it, you know? So you become an inspiration. Um, that's the way it works, you know. So you mentioned that the first step is finding the divinity within your life. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate a little? Well, you know, what's the big expression? Who am I? Who am I? You know, (laughs) what's the meaning of life? We get caught up in the daily activities. Okay, I got to make a living or I want to have a family. I want to have romance. You know, we have the elements of what we want. But then some point we ask, well, what's it really all about? What's the big question? You know, what are the big issues? So big question is understanding us. Metaphysics teaches you're not your body. Most of us think of ourselves as our physical body. When the physical body goes, we go. Metaphysics says your body is kind of like a car. It's a vehicle that you're using to get around and do. We're talking right now. We're seeing each other. We're interacting through the physical senses. But that's not what's the core of who we are. So one of the big journeys of life is what Yogananda used to talk about, self-realization. Not the glamorous self, not the persona self, but the true self, who we really are. And as we start to have 
we pursue that road, it's already within us, but there is a journey to get there because we've been sort of mesmerized by this persona self to think that that's the real us. And as we find the inner self, the real self, that's the road to finding the divine because how can we find, let's say, God if we don't know who we are? So we've got to start with our immortality, our our inherently good nature. There's no such thing as a, ironically, as a bad soul. I know we say that, oh, that's such a bad person if they do. There's no such thing, really. There are people that do bad things, horrendous things, but the soul is something else. The soul is life itself, and that life is divine and it's good, but we do have to nurture it. It can get buried, in a sense, and then that doesn't have as much time to shine. When we see somebody that's truly living a spiritual life, it's not that they're better than anybody else, but that they've nurtured that divinity and you're seeing it shine more. It's like a talent. If you see someone like a Mozart with this extraordinary musical talent, that's showing what's humanly possible. It's not just saying he was the lucky one that got it. There was a journey of him to get there. You know, they used to ask Barbara, can I learn to be clairvoyant like you? And she would say, yeah, well, if you saw the lifetimes it took me to get to where I am, you, you might ask that question a little bit differently. You know, when we see somebody with extraordinary gifts or talents, they appear easy, but we don't see the extraordinary road it took to get there. So we've got to start. The beginning is, the, one of the whole themes of the book is make your spiritual life a higher priority in your life. And all parts of your life are going to start to flow and come together. That's really the core message of the book. So I shared with you that lately I've been feeling like I've been guided on another level than before. And so I attribute it to finally being honest with myself and clearing my channel in a way where I just was telling somebody the other day how although I've been on a spiritual path for like a decade, I really feel like I'm finally getting to know my truest self as of the last few months because I did have a lot of addictions and things that were driving behaviors that I, even to, even in the last few years, there was still one lingering thing. And so it's hard to know what's the real you, what's your programming, what's your habits or addictions. And so just recently, since I've let go of that last thing, it's like guidance is pouring in. And sometimes it's as ridiculous as I'll have a conversation and then I'll log on to Twitter. And like the first tweet I'll see will like answer this question. And it sounds ridiculous to say I'm being guided by God through Twitter. But how does guidance look? Because some people think they're going to hear this booming voice in their head or God's going to appear to them in the bathroom or something like that. What does guidance well, you know, look like for most joke, people? You know the joke about that, right? There's a guy drowning and he says, don't worry, God will save me. And this boat comes by to pick him up. Says, oh, I don't need the boat. God is going to save me. And then a plane comes by and says, well, we'll lift you up in the, in the helicopter airplane. Says, oh, don't worry. God will save me. I don't need you. And eventually he gets tired and he drowns and he goes to the other side. And he says, God, why didn't you save me? He says, well, I sent the plane. I sent the boat. What else do you need? <laughs> God works through us. Stop waiting to see that booming voice in the sky. God works through us. Stop waiting to see that booming voice in the sky. God works within each of us and sometimes situations or things will be a divine prompting, 
We've got to pay attention to those things. Now, the divine isn't going anywhere in us. It's been there all along. So like you're saying, as we kind of peel away some of the coverings, the natural part of who we, it's our nature to be divine because that is who we are. Atelier de Chardin said, we are not humans having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So yes, it, it can be clouded for a while, you're correct, but eventually it starts to come through. Now, what's most important is when God does start knocking on our door, or the divine, that we do listen. Some get the prompting, but don't do anything with it. And that is a shame, because that is a missed opportunity. Maybe they're afraid, or they're cozy where they are, and they don't want to, you know, I, I share my, my awakening was very dramatic. I call it like Saul in the road to Damascus moment. There was no question, something very fundamental had changed. And I didn't, I felt like it wasn't a choice. I had to answer that call. Uh, but it wasn't like me sitting down thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. It was almost like, let's say, when you truly fall in love with someone, you're not saying, oh, I, I, I chose to fall in love with you today. It happened. And you're either going to acknowledge it or you're not going to acknowledge it. But it's something that happened to you. Or you decide, you realize, oh, this is the career. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. It's like a realization. It's not like you intellectually sorted it out. It's something that happened and you're either answering that call or not. Now, there's one more piece of this puzzle I do have to bring up because you mentioned about reincarnation, that we, it takes lifetimes to achieve this that I'm talking about. And I also mentioned about the aura, which is fueling the evolutionary process. But there's another huge component. We are not walking this path alone. And it's not just us and God. There is a whole, what we call, hierarchy of help in the inner worlds that's supporting us. There's a beautiful line in the, the Talmud that says, for every blade of grass, there's an angel bending over saying, grow. We have help from the other side. And what happens is they know what's going on in our life. And they're daily trying to help us with this. And as we align with them more, we get more connected and they can see further down the road than we can. So yes, they will say, hey, Melissa, go this way today. They're not going to give you the blueprint of what to do, but they'll help pointing us in direction. And when we do it, then we start to feel that inspiration because there's this whole, you know, cooperative process that's going on. So we're never alone. We could be on a deserted island a thousand miles away from people and we are never really alone. And if we ever feel that way, that's our own sensing of disconnect, but it's not what's really happening. So is connecting with those beings or guides or the beings on the other side that are helping us, is connecting with them as simple as just trying to find ourselves and connect with that divinity within ourselves? Or do you also call in your guides or, or cultivate a relationship with them in a way as well? Well, it is a relationship. You're absolutely right. These are not God. The angels are not God. Okay. And they don't want us to worship them as if we were, they were God. Uh, the archangels are not God either, even though they're extraordinary beings of light. Uh, so it is a relationship. You do have to reach out. Now, in our work, we there is a process of doing that. You can simply just go into prayer and make the connection, but there is a way to kind of connect with your higher nature to get into their territory, because remember, by the way, there's a lot of different levels on the other side with beings. So 
there are the guides, but the ones that we recommend are to work with the angelic beings because they're higher up the ladder. There is, it's a little more effort to connect with them because they're not human, but the help they get is so, we receive from them is so extraordinary. So they say, look, we'll do three quarters of the work. We'll step down our vibration to meet you, but you've got to do your part. You've got to step up your vibration to meet us. So through meditation, you clear the mind through prayer, you're opening to receive. You know, when we, we teach meditation, some people say, well, I'm too busy. I don't have time to do this. I recognize it's valuable, but I don't have time. And I joke, I say, well, if the meditation is your one-on-one time with God and the divine, are you saying you don't have time for God? Are you saying, well, I'll get to you next Tuesday after I finish all these other things? So that's what I mean, making a higher priority. We have to start by recognizing the spirit is the source of it all. And as we make that the priority in our life, then all these other things start to come into play. And that's the journey that we're on. So there is a mental shift. There is a discipline involved too, because we have so many distractions today. There are so many ways to get this, go this way and that way. We say, look, there are a lot of things we could do in this world, but you want to do the things that are essential in your life because you can't taste every wine. You can't go to everything. There's only so much time in a day and you want to make sure you're filling that time with the things that are essential to do. And when you do that, you will receive the greatest satisfaction of all because you know you're connecting to the greater part of you, the greater part of life. Often when we do things like, like addictive things, or there's a dissatisfaction within ourselves or something we're not happy with or feeling fulfilled with. So we, we go to this thing, oh, this is going to make me happy. And it, it does satiate for a moment, but it's not the source of the issue. And so as we get to the real source of it, the desire for those things naturally subside because they weren't the answer to begin with. And then we're getting out of that mindset and into the real understanding of what we're doing. You know you're in your connecting with the higher flow is if you feel very motivated in your life, you feel you have energy in your life, and you do feel this sense of purpose. Maybe it may not be clear what it is, but you do, you wake up in the morning and you say, hey, I'm looking forward to today. I'm looking forward to what that brings. When you have that kind of a mindset, you are in the rhythm of your spiritual. If you're waking up saying, ah, another gloom and doom day, you've got to break that spell because that's all that it is, is a spell and get into the reality of what's really going on. Well, you say that heaven is an actual place and in spiritual teachings it ta- or religious teachings, I should say, they talk about you know how God has created a place for you. It's a house for you collecting treasures in the heaven. From your understanding and your spiritual practice, what does heaven actually look like once a soul does evolve to that level? First of all, I've got to, since we are referring to the Bible a bit, we got to say in, you know, what did the Christ say? In my father's house are many mansions. The other side is not one place. In the ancient days, they used to call the levels palaces or heaven or, or, or mansions. That's how they termed it. In the uh, some of the Jewish mystical teachings, they don't use the word heaven as much as they use the word palace, the palaces. Ishmael climbed through the seven palaces to God kind of thing. So there are many places on the other side. They are actual places, but they're also levels of consciousness. So, for example, right now, you and I sitting here talking, each of us are vibrating to a spiritual dimension 
that corresponds to an actual dimension on the other side. So if I were to die today, I would take the power and the light I have now, not what I had yesterday, not what I might have tomorrow. And that would correlate me to somewhere on the other side. It's not punishment or reward, it's like attracting like. Now, since this world is a creation of the spiritual worlds, everything you see here exists on the other side and many more times over. Sri Uteswar, the teacher of Yogananda, when he came to visit Yogananda after he passed on, he said, you know, the physical universe hangs like a basket on the tree of the astral universe. So the spiritual worlds are far more encompassing than the physical, and that's saying a heck of a lot because we now know how big the physical universe is. So there are places on the other side that are so much like Earth, when you cross over, you don't even think you died. I'm seeing you, you're seeing me, I'm sitting in a chair here, we're having this conversation. I'm not dead. And when those souls realize they're not where they think they are, some of them go into shock. If the other side was so different from here, we would be so disassociated, we wouldn't be able to function. So, but however, as you climb up to the higher dimensions, things do start to change. I, when I had an early experience when I was working with Barbara of being on the other side, and it was a beautiful pastoral setting and kind of some majestic buildings off to one side. But what I remember more than anything else was the presence, the divine presence, the God presence was everywhere. You didn't question if God existed, you were, you were in the presence of it. And I was on a high for three days just from that one experience because it taught me not only is there another side, it taught me that side is part of God, <laughs> you know, it is real, you know, I didn't have to question it. So when you climb up higher and higher, there's still nature, there's still trees and flowers and mountains and things of that nature, but they start to take on more their divine semblance, more their primordial origins. And yes, the physics do start to change. So. For example, in the higher dimensions, you can do what they call float walking. Through the power of your mind, you can move through dimension space. You can do that in the higher dimensions. It's not a fantastical thing. It's obeying the laws that are operating there. Of course, you have to learn how to do it, but it's also showing the power of mind. Right now, I may move my hand or move this cup because my mind says I want to do it, then I use a physical extension to actually move the cup. But in the higher dimensions of life, mind is so strong, you can manifest things without necessarily having to pick up the cup to do it. So we learned, you know, people think sometimes, oh, heaven is like, you're on, har you're on clouds and you're playing harps all day long. It, it sounds kind of boring, you know. Uh, it's the opposite. If life is creative, the heavens are so creative. Imagine your most creative day right now and multiply it by a hundred. And that starts to give you an idea what it's like to be a citizen of heaven. And it also gives you an idea why it takes a while to get there because, you know, okay, we go to college to develop a particular skill, a creative skill, or whatever. But to get to heaven, you have to develop all your abilities, all your skills, all your, you have to unfold all of you. And that does take time. It takes multiple lifetimes, but it does happen. There have been countless souls that have done it before us. We're doing it now in our own way, and there will be countless souls that will be doing it after us. It's the reason we're here. We say it's not if you're going to get to heaven, 
It's just a matter of when. But again, I'm sure many people listening to your podcast have had a spiritual awakening, which is why they're listening to it. And that means take advantage of that. That's the divine knocking on your door. This is the time for you to do something. Don't try to change anybody else that may have not had the, just start working on you. I have one last question for you. And I'm curious what your take is on the religious teachings of the book of Revelation, because I find that coming up a lot more often because of everything going on in the world. They're saying it aligns so well with the predictions. And the book of Revelation talks about Christ coming back, taking up all the Christians. What What's your viewpoint on that? Is there any truth to it? Is there a different way to interpret that? Well, first of all, remember the, the book of Revelation is part of a, many don't realize it has, it comes from a rich history of apocalyptic writing. There are many apocalyptic books from that time. The one that made it into the Bible was the Revelation of John, but there are other revelations, there are other apocalypses, and they speak in slightly different ways, but it, it is a tradition. So I want to be clear on there that there was this whole idea. Now, the idea of a greater new age, what we call the new day, yes, we, that is really coming. That it, it, it could have already been here had we been a little bit more on the ball. So we got to remember, we're, we're evolving individually, but humanity is evolving. And as humanity evolves, it's not just about technologies and things like that. It, there's a spiritual collective evolution that's going on. And we're heading to a new day where the veil between the physical and spiritual worlds would not be so drawn. You know, one of the most beautiful things about being on the other side is it doesn't mean you're naturally perfect or you're naturally a saint. It doesn't mean any, you're pretty much the same person you are here. But when you're there, you are in natural harmony with the whole hierarchical support. You understand because you're seeing them that there are angels and archangels and great beings of light. And there's a leader of the whole spiritual hierarchy. That's understood, and you're operating your life in there. Here, there's a veil drawn between that. Unless you're clairvoyant, you're not going to see those, those great beings. But the time is coming where that veil is going to thin, and people will understand there, there really is a divine life to follow. It doesn't mean we're suddenly all going to be enlightened, but it does mean that we're in that period. And we are, the, the spiritual renaissance that's happening now is preparing for that new day. Now, I'd be careful about sometimes trying to read too detailed into the book Revelation. It is a symbolic teaching that was written by mystics, and you do have to have the keys to that. But there is a lot of rich material in there. Remember, in those days, they didn't have books like we have now. so And they couldn't often speak openly like we can now. So they often wrote in symbolism. And the other mystics that they were working with understood those symbolic terms. And there was kind of a teaching that was offered on that way. But no, we would say the, the New Jerusalem is ready to come down. The question is, are we ready for it? Is humanity ready? And we do that by taking care of ourselves. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So as you start changing you, you are doing your part. If everyone today lived up to their spiritual potential, yes, the new day could start tomorrow. But we have to do that. There has to be a critical mass level of humanity. And we are getting there. And by the way, if anyone even attempts to predict when, they don't know. Okay. Many have said, oh, it's coming here. It's coming. Their point. We don't know. 
But what they do share is that we are getting closer and that the hierarchy is coming closer than ever before. And that this, like what you're experiencing, what many others, that's this calling coming saying, come on now, it's time to start living your divine life. Not just for us, but for generations of people after us. Well, before we tell listeners where to connect with you and where to find you, do you have any meditative practices that could help us better align with our spiritual growth and and the divine plan that we're a part of? Well, that's what we teach at the Institute. It's all about meditation. Uh, Meditation is your one-on-one time with the divine. We do a type of meditative prayer practice. We, We prayers. Prayer and meditation are like two complements of the same thing. In prayer, you are petitioning, you are reaching out to the divine. In meditation, you are receiving. So it's kind of like completing the circuit. So we do these meditative prayers to make certain requests of the divine, receive that power, and that builds up the internal relationship. Our our first book, Change Your Heart, Change Your Life, is all about that, doing these divine light meditations, connecting with your higher self, And then we have a two-year course, let's say right now, the seven spiritual arts, of which this book is one of them, to guide you through that. You know, in the the seven liberal arts, we uh, we learn about strengthening the mind for the intellectual rigors of life. Well, we need the spiritual tools to deal with the spiritual opportunities and challenges of life. And that's, that's what we teach at the Institute. So yes, there's a whole... As a whole practice, you know, and I, I also liken metaphysics is a, is a little bit like learning a musical instrument or learning a language. You're not going to get good at it overnight. This is something that you've got to incorporate for a while. So giving yourself, you know, we have programs that we've had students that have studied 20 years or more with us. It's a practice that builds and the more you do it, the better you get at it. I've been meditating for almost 40 years now. And I was very excited when I started, and I'm more excited now. And the meditations have only gotten deeper and more profound. So this is, uh, it's almost like a lifestyle choice, you know. And as you uh, live the long life, what does the 91st Psalm say? With long life will I satisfy God and show my salvation. That's that long life. And one other note I'll just say here is you, you, a really good way of thinking of metaphysics is like you do on a long-range project, right? You may say, you know, I'm going to work hard. I want to retire at this age or over the next years, I want to build this family. That's a 20-year endeavor. You know, you, you plan things short term, but you also plan things longer term. And if you start thinking of your spirituality as a longer term project, that may take, yes, 10, 20, even 30 years to fully see fruition. But there are going to be such satisfying years. What is that time compared to eternity? Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you brought to this episode. I I feel like I'm just blown away and I could talk to you for hours, but I'll save you. <laughs> so for listeners that are resonating with you as much as I am, where's the best place for them to connect with you and learn about your programs and your books? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. It's, the book is Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, and it's available on Amazon or any of the other channels. We have a, a, a nonprofit institute, Spiritual Arts Institute, spiritualarts.org and there's a wealth of information about the classes we have these online we did online long before zoom is a popular thing to do and also in person we're in encinitas california you can also learn more about barbara having worked with all these years such an extraordinarily exceptional soul not only her talents but her character and the wisdom that she brought 
So we just, and just a wonderful group of community of people, of like-minded. So one of the best things of doing this is the people we meet, like meeting you and meeting all this, just that we're, we're sharing in this journey to better ourselves. It's, it's a rare thing. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 217. Your challenge for this week is fun. It's just a lighthearted little journaling exercise. What does heaven look like to you? What does it feel like to you? What are your ideas about it? Just because there was a bunch of information presented in this episode doesn't mean that that's what your heaven needs to look like. I find this exercise really enlightening. Let your inner wisdom flow through. See what presents itself to you in your mind. Ask yourself which of these ideas were instilled in me or innate in me. Which ideas do I feel like are coming now versus what I've been told in the past? Just journal, just for fun, for no reason, no result, no outcome, just to get your ideas out of your mind and onto paper. You might learn something about what has been floating around in your head. And if you haven't spent a lot of your life thinking about heaven, take that time now. For me, the idea of heaven, whether it's a state of mind or energy that I get to right now versus a place when I die, just dwelling on it gives me peace. Just dwelling on the idea of God gives me peace. I've actually been having some mild anxiety since I've had a baby. Apparently that's just a thing. When you have a baby, you get anxiety because your whole heart is on the outside of your body, running around doing risky things. <laughs> it's wild. Well, when I have those moments of anxiety, I will just meditate almost without doing all the things, just sitting there in my head with a mantra. And my mantra is just the word God. Sometimes I'll use the word love, love and God interchangeably. And I figure that if I am putting all my focus on this one idea of the highest vibration there is, then how can I align with anything but that? So for me, it's one of those things that connects me to a positive energy that raises my vibration pretty quickly, but it makes me feel at peace as though I'm being held. So it's just like with a goal. The more you focus on that goal, on what it looks like for you, what your ideal day looks like for you, what it will look like once you reach that goal, the greater the chance that your mind will automatically align with the opportunities that will lead you there. Well, shouldn't the same thing be with heaven or God or love? So I want to know your ideas. Reach out to me or leave a comment on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash 217. That way you can see all of your ideas there. If you love Mind Love, there's a few ways to support the show. You can join Mind Love Premium, which is my favorite way. Just go to mindlove.com slash premium or support one of my amazing sponsors. I just switched companies that's handling this for me, so they will be trickling in soon. And finally, the freest way to support the show is by subscribing, sharing, or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.